Now this morning you may be sitting in this room and you actually are not very aware of all that God would want to do in you. I maintain that God wants to do more with you than you actually probably know. Many Christians have this low rumbling sense inside them and even non-Christians wondering is there Is this all there is to life? And for the Christian, is this all there is to Christianity? And it can go like this, that somehow it's like it's believing in Jesus. And then when I die, I go to heaven. Or some people would think, hey, it's about living a good moral life, trying to be a good citizen, a fair person. That's what it's about. That's what life's about. For some people, it may be learned teaching. Once you commit yourself to Christ, you learn the Ten Commandments and you try to emulate what you think the New Testament teaches you about being a follower. Then there are those of us, and we didn't even know it, but church becomes an event. This is church. We talk about going to church as if it is an event. And when you view church as event-centric, you will likely evaluate it like you do entertainment. It's natural. It inspires you. Yeah, some days it convicts you. There might be days like, oh, I've shown up on Serve Sunday, and it wasn't quite what you thought. You may even think, oh, that bored me. Like you do any entertainment. If you view church like an institution or an event, there's natural things that happen. You live like consumers. And what happens is this. You miss... Life-changing truth. And I want to show you two things that we give attention to here that are thoroughly biblical, that's at the heart of who we are. And I believe and I maintain that you could have been here for years and years. You call this place home. This is your church home. But you don't actually know the center, the thrust of who we are. See, I was not here in the beginning when Pastor Brad champion that small groups, now community groups, would be at the heart of how significant Christian relationships are made, how you build community, how we grow and change. I wasn't here. But I do know this, you don't have to stay around here very long before people are asking you, what group are you in? What community group are you in? You need a community group. When do you need it? You need it now. You need to go get in Mark and Karen Ross's group or somebody's group, all right? I don't want to overwhelm you, brother. But there's all kinds of community group leaders, 60 of them right now. You need one, and it's at the heartbeat of who we are. It's how you make relationships that help you grow and change. It's key. But... And this is a big but. Do you know that this is the first year we have not done a small group or community group Sunday? This is Serve Sunday. And leaves some of you going, what is going on? Well, we are no longer 200 people meeting at Dixie or Scott High School. You may not be aware, but actually God has chosen to give us 2,000 people, 2,000. Now, being large, actually being very large, does not make us better. 
But it's a reality that we're no longer 200. We have this campus. We have a thriving campus in Fort Thomas and a, a campus that's coming independence that we're very excited about. And moving forward, beginning today, we will give emphasis to a dimension of how we actually grow and change. Yes, small group, community group. But also there is a dimension from God's word that if you miss it, you're going to miss truth in understanding what God intended for you to be. So turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. And in honor of God and the reading of his word, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, please. Just remember, we'll close this with, this is the word of the Lord, and you know how to respond, right? Thanks be to God. Okay, here we go. Two verses. 1 Peter chapter 4, picking up in verse 10. As each has received a gift... As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as, God, as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. And you may be seated. All right, keep your Bible in hand. I want you to glance down. Even at a, just a cursory look, a glance at this passage. Four realities jump out. About you, about me, about God's design for us, for your life. And when you see it, When you and I embrace it, you're going to live with new purpose. You're going to live with a different spring in your step. And God will use you to make Jesus visible to the world around you. And that is his his intention. To use you as you serve to make his presence known to others. So here are these four realities I want you to see today. First off, in this text, Peter says... The Apostle Peter, not our Peter. Peter says, you have been given a gift. You've been given a gift. You got at least one. That's in verse 10. You may feel like you are here by chance, but you're not here by chance. God in his infinite wisdom has designed you for this moment. Not any moment, but for now and has placed you here. You don't look like me. You don't look like Brad. You're uniquely you with specific experiences, all of which God has been watching over in your life. You may think to yourself, well, I can't do much. I really don't have a great deal of use. I don't know how much I could benefit. You maybe have been told, you may have been told your whole life, You're ugly, you're weak, you're stupid, you're worthless. But that is not how God sees you. If you follow Jesus, God has designed specific gifts for you to use to benefit other people. That you do it in a unique way. You will not do things exactly like someone else does them. And praise God, you're not going to do things like I do them. 
But God has designed you to be used uniquely as he's gifted you to serve. If you feel that you can't, you feel like you just don't have anything, I want you to know from God's standpoint, your focus is misguided. This is not, folks, we live in a culture that tells you that life is about you, you, you. But as we seek to live about me, 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 we find that we're empty, empty, empty. God designed you for so much more. He's gifted you that you would have purpose. Now, in this passage, there are two types of gifts talked about. There are speaking gifts, those that speak with the oracles, uh, speak the oracles of God, and those that serve in the strength that God gives them. Now, notice this. Peter does not make any distinction what is better than the other. In fact, both are necessary and both God supplies. That's what he does. They come from God and both are needed. Number two, second thing that you and I need to see, your gift is given to serve others so that you benefit them. Today, all throughout this building, there are 26 ministries specific to Grace Fellowship Florence, plus a big table that's sitting right out there about independence that is, that is not only has these, these 26 ministries, but they have needs and what they believe that God would have them to do. All of these things are places that God has gifted you to plug in and serve to benefit other people. See, a biblically functioning body is not one who just thinks we gotta hire more people to do ministry. But it actually is the body working together with God's very grace working to serve one another. Do you know that Jesus said about you that the distinguishing mark about us about his disciples would be the love we have for each other. Do you know how love shows up? By how we serve one another. It's action item. You're never more like Jesus than when you serve. You're never more in the character of Christ than when you serve. God designed you to find life by giving yourself. And this is not about, even though there is this desire in all of us to be recognized, to be seen, And there might even be a desire in you because life has been hard on you that you want to be applauded for what you've done. Everything, everything in you is like, I I wish someone would notice me. But the reality is this. Service is not for your glory. But it actually is about about Christ being seen and how we serve and how we care for one another. And this is one of the most countercultural distinctions of what it means to be a true follower of Jesus. If you want to mature, if you want to obey, get up, get connected, and serve. In Kevin DeYoung's excellent book, Just Do Something, he says that people have so many choices in life today that they find themselves locking up. And he says, my fear, quote, my fear is that of all the choices people face today, the one they rarely consider is this, how can I serve most effectively and fruitfully in my local 
church. So we must not lose sight now at 2000 that God has designed you, put your name in the blank, he's designed you for good and prepares good for you to do. But where and how do you serve, what do you do? Start thinking here, the local church. Number three, notice this. The text shows us that God provides strength to do what you're called to do. Whether you speak, teaching gifts, or serve in another practical way, it is God that supplies the strength to do it. So what does that mean? What that means is this text right here comes right up to the excuse maker in all of us. Yeah, you and me, the excuse maker that says... Everything inside of us sometimes screams, I'm weak, I can't do this, I don't know that I can do this or that. Well, actually, that's maybe true. But you can because of what God has done in you. He gives you strength to do it. Then there's those that sit in this room today actually who feel uh, weak and have no strength because... Some things have gone wrong. That's how I came here. That's how I came to Grace Fellowship. Many years ago, we were suffering, and we came here, and we were told, get in a community group, let us love you, let us care for you, let us help bind up the wounds that are going on in your life. And we did that, and God used community group to change my life, and it will use it to change your life. So if you sit here and you feel weak and you feel burnt out, I want to encourage you. We're not asking you to sign up. I'm asking you to get in us a group and let us love you and care for you. But then we have people who sit in a room like this that actually think they're too old. I just had a conversation 10 minutes ago about aging, what it feels like. Some of you think you're too old, and I'm so grateful Dr. Mark Shaw, our director of counseling, recently shared with me some information that was really encouraging. Did you know that the most fruitful spiritual time that you likely will have in your life is when you're in your 60s? Secondly is the 70s. Third would be your 50s. So the rest of you are just a bunch of losers, all right? Look, some of us have this idea in our head that we're done. God's not done with you. Your most fruitful days are likely ahead of you. But what we have often is we have great intentions. And we find before long we do a... We, 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 We participate in a sport of doing nothing, though. We sit on the runway, and we rev our engines. Let's go. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to do it. One day, I just got to get. And we rev our engines forever, but we never connect. And it's not because you don't care. It's because you don't act. DeYoung says, again... 
Some Christians need encouragement to think before they act. Others need encouragement to act after they think. I've not sat under better teaching than what I've received at Grace Fellowship. But great teaching is but a small piece, actually, of what makes this church thrive and go. Our effectiveness is linked to being deployed in the strength that God supplies to serve the body. The call to serve is for each one of us that we should all hear. But sometimes we think, well, I've done my time. I'm too busy. I'm too old. Or we think one day. And actually, you may have been a part of grace for years. You love it here. You would say you've grown, you call this home, but you do not serve. You're invested in what you gain, but you're not thinking about what you're called to give. You're not investing yourself in others. And some of you may be hearing something that I don't want you to hear. Some of you may be hearing, so Brian, are you saying that if we're so big now and we don't have room, especially in the middle service, that if I'm not going to serve, I need to get out? That is not what I'm saying. But what I do want you to hear is not a call to get out, but a call to come in. For you to come in and to plug in and to connect and to quit thinking that other people will do it begin to see that God has equipped you and gives you the strength to serve. Number four, when you serve, you glorify God. Now, this is life's ultimate objective, life's major pursuit. Jesus gets seen through you when you serve. And we miss sometimes that the smallest serving is noticed by heaven. Small things matter to God. Matthew 10, 42 says, Jesus was talking, he says, whoever gives one of these little ones, he's talking about children, about serving children. Anyone who gives these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Some of you are racking up reward after reward after reward and you don't even know it. Because you serve. You do the small things. You do things for children. You do things for other people. And we sometimes think, oh, I don't do it for the reward. Yeah, I understand that. But do you know that God looks at you and the heaven rejoices in blessing you? And when you serve, it opens the windows of heaven into your life. So when you serve, you glorify God. Jesus also goes on to tell us in John 8 that the devil is a liar. And there are lies about service that he tells you and you and you and you. He tells all of us. Here here are some of the lies. Number one, there's no need. Big churches have lots of gifted people. There's really not any need. I don't see any need. Everybody's in their place. It's not true. God brought you here and gifted you to serve. There are needs. There's needs all over 
in all these ministries. And if we are going to reach people, we're going to need people doing ministry, serving. Number two, the lie we believe is there's nothing that I have to offer, which is also clearly a lie. You do have much to offer. You just may not know it yet. You may not know where you can thrive. But here's the big one. The third one is the big one that we all hear. There's no hurry. The enemy loves to tell you there's no hurry. Delay, delay, delay. And when you delay, 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 it typically won't happen. People feel no urgency in their life because they lack purpose. But when you know your purpose is to glorify God, and you do that by serving, there is a new element. Oh, God, help me to get up and plug in and begin to serve. I find that many people don't think that they do anything very well. All of us, in our honesty, would say we'd really like to be excellent at something. And they're not really sure they're adequate, actually, at anything. Because the world around us applauds greatness. We grant fame and fortune for the exceptional. But hear me, please. Please hear me. Greatness from God's vantage point is not some kind of ladder we climb. It is not applause from the stands, but it's a descent into service. And for many of us, that actually makes no sense at all. But it's kingdom principle. Do you know that greatness is actually found in making coffee for the glory of God, for God's people to enjoy on Sunday morning? Can I hear an amen for that? All right. Little fairies do not drop out of heaven and drop that coffee down there, all right? People here early and often. Greatness is in parking cars and making people get safely in the building. I have watched, I have watched, and I could name several, but one person just popped to my mind. I'm not going to name names. But this is a person that literally manages millions of dollars for people. Helping them. And on Sunday, you're going to find him in the parking lot, keeping people safe, pointing places to park. I could tell you story after story like this. Greatness is investing yourself into teaching and serving families by loving their children enough to give your time and energy to invest in the next generation. Yes, if you're 50, 60, 70. And yes, mom and dad, if you have children, that includes you too. You can do it, you just don't know you can do it because you're looking at yourself versus the strength that God supplies. Greatness is in helping people find resources, stuffing bulletins, serving at events. I can go on and on and on. Greatness actually is, from a kingdom perspective, in the mundane, in the small things. So let me, let me share with you. I'm going to do a little exercise with you, a thought experiment. Someone that I love, a friend of mine recently gave me this article that I read. And I needed to hear, and I'm spending literally once a week, I sit down with this thing again, I look at it. 
And it talks about the danger of turning gifts into some kind of identity and ministry. In fact, turning anything into some kind of it's all you are. Because turning identity into a ministry can actually become an idolatry if you want things for the wrong reasons. So let me show you what I mean. Here's the thought experiment. What if you, you, what if you were in a car accident and you had a permanent brain injury? You're no longer able to do the things that you love doing. Could you be content doing work that a lot of people may not want to do? Maybe working cleaning restrooms or restocking supplies for a restaurant, emptying trash, mopping floors, cleaning bathrooms. It says that we need to be able to answer yes. Yes, I would do such work willingly. Now, yes, we might grieve our injury and our loss, certainly. But in the end, it's supremely important that we can be content doing any honorable work. And keeping a restaurant clean is honorable. Janitorial work does active good to patrons, fellow workers, and employers. This is a pastor that wrote this article. Part of his pastor's point was this. By design, the gifts that you have are just that. They are on loan from God for useful purpose. And by design, ministry is actually menial work. It means being a servant, someone's assistant, a helper. You're running errands, you're laying down your life so another person's life might get better. Discontentment and pride come from complaining as if menial work is somehow beneath us. All of us like to be great. The question is, are you willing to step down and serve? There's grace for service. There's grace for us to do this well. See, we sometimes lose sight that actually, in the mundane, in God's economy, greatness has a direction. Greatness in God's dictionary has a, great, uh, has a direction, and it's almost always downward into a place of service. If you truly want to be great, move lower. Serve. And the invite today is also for those who find themselves in this room facing the cold reality that bitterness has crept into your life. You didn't mean for it to happen, but you've been hurt by church. Maybe this church. And life has actually made you more resentful than you care to admit. You've resolved actually to be a spectator. And I'm here to tell you and lovingly exhort you, there's no joy living bitterly, living with bitterness, living on the sideline. God calls you in. You're not being asked to get out. You're being compelled to come in, to engage, to give of your time, to connect with other people, to serve, to be a follower of Jesus, down in the trenches of giving your life away, even in the smallest ways.
And I don't know what God's going to do. I don't know what the Holy Spirit's going to point at in your life. But I want you with me to to recognize that our Savior took a trip much further than any of us will ever take. Now you think the distance between the throne room of God to the cross, that's no short journey. But Jesus came down and he stepped down to save and deliver sinners like you and like me. He didn't just declare it from heaven. He came and did it for you, for me. The question is, will you learn and understand that there is a reality that God has gifted you to serve and has commissioned you to go and do it? So in the lobby, in the hall, in the children's area, even right here on this stage, in this hall right out here, here back in the coffee area, there's counseling, a counseling room down this hall. There are places for you to connect. And as I said, no one is asking you to sign up for a 30-year mortgage, okay? You're not, you're, you're not going to be signed up today and tomorrow you're going to start doing this. All you can anticipate is there are going to be servants at those tables. You can walk up. You can ask questions. You can find out what do they need, what are they looking for, and secondly, a next step if that's what God would have you do. I am not saying, I'm not saying that God will ever have us more than the 2,000 that we are here. But did you know there are about 1,000 new homes projected within a three-mile radius of this spot over the next 10 years? The question is, will we be the people that are here to serve and to make Jesus known to them? Will you be the person that God uses to make Jesus known to them? Father, thank you. Thank you for our faithful servants in this body and how you have used so many gifted, faithful servants. And we today ask you to begin speaking to people's hearts. As they, as they walk through the halls, as they talk to people, I ask, Lord, for you to prompt people to engage and to consider how they may serve and how they may grow and how they may mature for your kingdom at Grace Fellowship. We praise you in Jesus' name. And God's people said.